Hey there. We at Blue Wire just wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this podcast. We know everything outside is pretty scary and uncertain, but we're committed to helping you get through your day by talking about the sports and teams that you love most. If you're looking for more great podcasts to distract you, check out bluewirepods.com. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the podcast and stay safe. Welcome back to the Lottery Podcast on Blue Wire Network. I'm John Wasserman, lead NBA draft writer for Bleacher Report. And this week's episode is brought to you by betonline.ag. The quarantine continues. It's been over a month since we've seen a basketball being bounced um, that wasn't by Jordan and Pippen. Documentary has pretty much taken over the basketball conversation over the past week. Um, but the draft conversation still rages on. I mean, there's always a new angle to talk about. And this week, I brought back my guy, Spencer Perlman of the Stepien. Spencer, you joined the podcast not too long ago, but we were living in like a completely different world. How you been holding up? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm good, aside from as you were just saying, it's it's completely different. Like, it's weird thinking it a month and a half ago. I was planning my wedding, thinking everything's going to go swimmingly, and now it's like, oh, crap. What's uh, continued? I didn't know, you know, I didn't, I didn't even know that. My same thing is going on with my sister. She just got engaged, and um, and so now that, yeah, and to you too, by the way. Um, so uh, I won't even get into the details of of uh, the chaos that you must be going through. And right, I, my wife is six months pregnant, so we're uh, figuring out, you know, how this is going to go too. But uh, everybody has to adapt to this crazy world we live in. And, um, and yeah, so here we are talking about an NBA draft that we don't know when it's going to be. We don't know when they're even going to do the lottery. So a lot of these conversations are all hypothetical. We don't know who's picking where, but they're still fun to talk about. And I guess if we cover enough angles, you know, uh, it'll do the job of, of keeping content going and, and keeping, uh, you know, the listeners out there satisfied. So I want to start off with going through Obviously, the, the projected top of the board, of course, that could change after the lottery, but we kind of have a feeling of the most teams who are going to be picking high. And I think also the fact that there isn't like a consensus, you know, ranking of prospects. Like even last year, you know, we knew Zion, Ja, RJ were going to go top three. This year, there's really no, there's really no order of, of consensus top prospects. So it's kind of a free-for-all. So, um, you know, I put out, it's always interesting. I put out an article the other day about LaMelo Ball and the best fits and the worst fits for him. And it's amazing to see how many people, you know, thought I was, I was crazy. And, and um, just the fact that we can all look at the same player and same teams and have completely different viewpoints. So let's start with the Warriors who had the worst record in the league. Um, if, you know, if the Warriors get the number one pick in the draft, is there somebody that just stands out as an obvious pick for them? Uh, not an obvious pick. Um, I mean, I actually kind of think the first pick in the draft for them is probably the worst place for them to be. Uh, because I feel like everyone's going to be wanting them to take, you know, a LaMelo or an Anthony Edwards or, you know, I guess Toppin. Although, I mean, I wouldn't touch them uh, at one. Um, but, like, I'd look to trade down. I, if they have, I don't know, the confidence or, you know, whatever the word would be um, to take Okongu. I actually think he's an awesome fit there. Um, but, like, I don't really like any of the top, top guys for Denny, actually. Right, right. So Denny makes, I mean, the, the selling point to Denny is that he's kind of like a fit everywhere. 
because of, uh, yeah. first of all, every team kind of could use an additional wing or forward, and he's versatile. He could play next to pretty much anyone, but he doesn't really scream number one overall pick. And so, yeah, they'd have to have some right. big balls to take him um, number one. Yeah, I didn't want to say it. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, yeah, that would be um, – <laughs> It would it would be hard to justify, even though you understand the fit. Um, so, what about Lamelo in Golden State? I mean, so I, I kind of I had to answer the question the other day of does he fit in Golden State and does he not? And like I had multiple people asking like if I was high when I said I actually think that Lamelo would be a, an okay fit there. And my my sales pitch is kind of the fact that okay, from you know maybe it's not such a terrible thing that from age nineteen to twenty one he is doesn't have a huge usage. And, uh, you know, he could share the ball a little bit. And the fact you put him on the ball and he's got Steph on the left and Clay on the right, like that makes his job easier. And then as as Steph gets to like age 35, I mean, he's going to be 33. So when he gets to like 35, I assume he's going to hit a wall. And then maybe they can give Lamelo more reps. And by the second time, by it's time for Lamelo's contract extension, whatever, you know, he'll eventually take the keys. But uh, I, yeah, so, so what's your take on Lamelo in Golden State? Yeah, I mean, I can, I can see it just because, I mean, as you were saying, you, um, you have two elite shooters running off, you know, lobby actions or pin downs or whatever, um, and he wouldn't have to take, you know, 15, 16, 17 shots a game. You just kind of ease him into it. Um, I guess I kind of worry a little bit about him playing off ball there. I feel like his best role is more on ball, but obviously running like, you know, one four, one five pick and roll is a step in. Draymond that that's able to get a lot of defensive attention. I don't think as much as I love Lamelo's passing and think it's absolutely like elite elite. Um, I don't think he can draw anywhere near as Steph can on ball, so he'd be playing a lot more off. Um, but I mean, I trust Steve Kerr. Like he went from you know completely isolated before him to then going all movement, and then he brought in KD, so he ended up isolating a little bit more, and then brought back, you know, a lot more pick and roll. So it seems like he's actually done off the board he's traded. Um, it seems like he's able to adjust pretty well. So I think he could definitely do that. But to kind of move away from Lamella with Golden State, but I mean, I feel like anyone could also fit there. So, like, I understand why. Right. And then there's, I mean, then there's Anthony Edwards, who um, if I had to just project right now, and I've been doing it, you know, for the last however many months, I have him going number, number one overall. And uh, mostly because of, like, the risk toward ratio like I know he's going to be a productive NBA pro and I think in this draft you've got to value that certainty and then the fact that of course everybody loves a scoring wing so that gives Anthony Edwards a boost and I like him in Golden State because I just like fear Edwards on a team like the Knicks where he has to be like a top guy and I just can't picture him I just don't trust him I just uh I just don't trust him as a top option with his particular not even just a shot selection but his mentality um, and I've said it before on this podcast, he's just like, there's something about him that's not super professional, where I don't know if he's the, the guy who I could see being a leader of a team. Even I know he's 18, but even when he's 22, like he's going to have to change a lot uh, to, be, to be a leader of a team. And then you put him in Golden State, and of course, his workload is less. He doesn't even have the ability to dance around with the ball and take those shots, and the shot selection naturally tightens. So, I mean, what do you think about the idea of Edwards going to Golden State, even though he may not be a, you know, a top option until a couple of years down the road. I mean, I think that's maybe a little bit easier of a fit than Lamelo, just because, like, he 
definitely has that on-ball scoring ability, and the passing is not good. Um, I didn't think it was good last year during AAU either, but I mean, he just kind of showed it this year. Um, I think his ability to stretch the defense because he can hit those 30-foot bolts might be able to unlock a little bit more than Lamelo's passing can. Um, and then off-ball, like you know, the catch and shoot numbers were not good. Um, I'm not entirely sure why. If I remember correctly, the full size is kind of small. Um, but the catch and shoot, like just him off ball, I think is probably a little bit easier because he's an excellent cutter. And then I don't think at least, but in terms of just kind of like, you know, being a stationary, like a minor uh, relocation guy, I can see that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a little bit easier of a fifth and Lamelo there. And plus, like having him going, like, you know, in college where he was just kind of, you know, lollygagging a little bit around on the court to make, you know, the highlight plays instead of actually doing all the small stuff. Like, if he did that with Draymond Green on the team, Draymond is going to, like, completely get in his ear and, like, completely berate him. And on the one hand, you maybe don't really, like, want that. Like, you don't really want someone getting into your player that much. But on the other hand, like, he'll learn. So just, like, throwing him into the fire with, you know, one of the top defensive players in the NBA could actually do a lot of good for him. Yeah, that's a good point. I think the best possible thing for, honestly, Anthony Edwards would be to, to, to have Draymond as a teammate from year one. I mean, that would be a total help um, for his maturity and, and prevent him from kind of getting carried away offensively. Um, how about we move to, let's just go straight to the Knicks, because that's, uh, I think Knicks draft Twitter is anxious um, and you know, of course, they're, yeah, I know it's 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 hard to uh, to blame them. So the Knicks are projected to pick six, which means they could technically drop to ninth. You know, of course, they can they move up. So their options are all over the place when we're talking about before the lottery. So because that there's no obvious number one pick and the guy that they could have number one, you know, might be there at number six. You know, who, who stands out to you as somebody who not just fits the current roster because the current roster could look completely different, but just a, a type of player that the team needs in terms of locker room, in terms of just who, like who's, who stands out to you as, as a, as the guy who should be the target for the Knicks. Yeah. Um, I mean, that six to nine range is kind of interesting for the Knicks. Like if they don't really get a top pick. It's, it's difficult, but um, I mean, I'd look at Halliburton because you know, he's that glue guy. Um, although I have a lot of concerns about um, his half-court shot making, aside from the stationary catch and shoot. Like, he has no in-between game whatsoever, and he had, like, 22, I think, uh, finish attempts in the pick-and-roll in 23 games, which is, whatever it was, 24 games, which is, like, atrocious. Um, just never attacked. And, like, I'm not a huge fan of that, I guess, but um, I, I definitely look at him. Um, I'm sure the Knicks would look at Toppin because... Know, he's got the stats. He's a high flyer, pick and roll, awesome, awesome vertical lob threat. And there's some shooting potential there. He's a great passer, but like the defense, I wouldn't want anything to do with. Um, six is probably a little bit too high for Devin Vassell. Um, otherwise, I, I really like his game, and I actually think he's a great fit next to RJ. Um, but I mean, everyone's probably thinking you know, like Cole and Kyra, and I would like those two guys are probably be my top two picks. Hmm. Um, Cole, you know, I don't think the finishing is anywhere near as bad as he showed this year. Like, you know, watching the games, you see him attacking the, the paint, and he's met by um, like two to three defenders. And then, you know, his teammates were also stationary. 
uh, and they could completely just ignore the shooters because they shot like 29% on um, kickouts from him, I think, or they shot 29% on non-three-pointers taken by him. Maybe that's what it was. Um, but I think his ability to play on and off ball, on ball more as a scorer, um, and then off ball, like he's definitely he's a movement shooter. He's you know good catch and shoot guy also. Um, I think that could actually work with RJ because he could kind of switch off between those two. Um, and then Kyra, I mean, is unbelievably fast. He's got the live action passing with either hand. Uh, he's, he should have that pull up ability. From what I understand, um, Coach Oates wanted him to attack the rim more instead of taking those mid range uh, jumpers. Um, but he's another guy. Like, his ability to just put constant pressure on the rim with his speed and like his vision's not great, but his ability to use his speed and collapse the paint and then just find those easy passing uh, lanes, that's like equally as important. Um, so, I mean, Kyra and Cole would probably be um, my top two guys for the next. All right, the Atlanta Hawks are another interesting team who are projected to pick high, and they have a lot of pieces. Last year, they made a lot of noise in the draft with a couple lottery picks and DeAndre Hunter. Cam Reddish, and of course, they join Trey Young, Kevin Herter, John Collins, then Clint Capella joins the, the roster. So now Atlanta, you know, has a, a a lot of pieces, and and this is a big draft for them again, I think. Anybody that stands out, also, just like, you know, we did with the Knicks and the Warriors, anybody stands out as somebody that really fits their particular group? Um, yeah, so I think like Devin Vassell, I think he's an awesome fit there. Unfortunately, they also just picked Cam and then uh, yeah, Gary Hunter. So loading up with another shooting guard, small forward, power forward. Although if you can't play power forward, probably isn't the best idea. Um, but I mean, out of the top picks, I think Anthony Edwards is a good fit. Um, you know, he can play Trey off ball a little bit more. Um, I think obviously just pure shot making ability helps because um, right now it's really just Trey and. Know, maybe Cam will get hot or Herder uh, will get hot. He's another option. Uh, but out of everyone, I think Denny is probably num- my number one fit. And I know he's another combo forward. Um, I just, like, I like, you know, he can handle for a big. I mean, he can handle for kind of anyone. Uh, but he's a really good pick and roll passer. You can really run some kind of cool sets with him and Trey as, as the one and four. Um, you could have, like, a cool switching lineup where it's switchable. Aside from Trey, with the two, three, and four, you know, you could play Cam, Hunter, and Denny, just, you know, piece those guys out um, some way. And, I mean, he's somebody who can play off-ball also. And the cutting, the shooting I buy, um, his catch-and-shoot numbers outside of five seconds actually dropped dramatically over the last few weeks of the season, which is why I didn't end up posting an update for that. Uh, but I buy the shooting long-term. Um, and, like, he does the little stuff. And I think that's kind of... They want someone who can play on ball, but someone who's not going to dominate. Um, and if they do get someone to dominate, they want someone who can really score. And I think that's, you know, either Anthony Edwards or, uh, well, Anthony Edwards is the one who can score. The one who can do all the little stuff would be Denny. Yeah, I mean, those both make sense. The one that's kind of outside of the box, I know we just talked about him, but I like Halliburton there. I like Halliburton kind of as the, the two next to Trey, right? Like Trey is, uh, we mentioned, yeah, Halliburton ranked 99th percentile in spot-ups. And, uh, you know, he wouldn't have to take those pull-ups. He could kind of just play, take what the defense gives him and just be valued for his decision-making next to Trey. Yeah, Denny would be uh, Denny would be an obvious fit, as we mentioned at the beginning. Kind of fits anywhere. Um, 
And so it's a shame though. Like if they hadn't traded for Capella, Okongwu would have been my number one for him. Yeah, totally. And that's who I'd been mocking to Atlanta until the trade deadline. Yeah. Like that that's just a clear cut fit. Right. And there's then there's the other question of like do you draft you know, do you take into account for the Hawks, do you take into account that you just got Capella who's under contract for a couple more years? but he's still recovering from a foot injury and he was kind of, you know, he peaked a couple of years ago and there's kind of questions about his value in this game that continues to evolve. Do you think that if they have Okongu as the best prospect available, do you think that they should maybe not take him because of Capella? No, I think you should just take him. <laughs> yeah, me too. I, I think Capella, like, like contract isn't difficult. It's not that difficult to trade. Um, I think it's actually pretty good value and, I mean, you're, you shouldn't sacrifice someone who's that high on your board, and I think he's probably going to be that high on people's board just because you have someone who's, you know, who's a good player. He's not an all-star, and I think Okongwu has that legit two-way impact because, like, the defense is definitely there, uh, the rebounding, the finishing, but I think the passing is going to come. Like, he showed a few nice flashes. The handle is going to be there. Um, I, I really love that fit. What about, what about LaMelo and, and Trey Young? That'd be a fun passing backcourt. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I mean, I'm, I think I'm a little bit higher on Lamelo's defense maybe than, than some, just because I think that massive disconnect between the offensive, just kind of like like his awareness on offense and the defense. I think a lot of it is just kind of a lack of effort because you'll see if he makes some really nice rotations, then other times just other times just kind of like you know I don't want to do it. Um, but I mean, those two guys playing together, the ball would be swinging around. Like, mm-hmm. there would be some awesome, awesome passes. But I'm not a huge fan of that fit. Yeah, I mean, Trey, uh, the other selling point is Trey Young ranked 95, 95th percentile in spot-ups and shot 42% off screens. And so he could be used in a lot of different ways. And maybe he also – I was just – the only reason I know this is because I was just doing an article on it the other day. He, you know, he led the NBA in time of possession by, like, a pretty wide margin over James Harden. He just has so much – ball handling and um, I don't know I'm kind of intrigued by the idea of like I mentioned before LaMelo not having a huge usage learning to play off the ball but also getting his reps on the ball and using Trey Young in different ways um, and yeah they LaMelo would have to be better than advertised on defense but they put some pretty a, a unique um, dimension of, 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 of pressure not dimension but like a, a you know a unique style of pressure on on opposing defenses with the two point guards and the passing and, and the shot making. What about the Timberwolves? Timberwolves are a tough team. I'm trying to figure out if they're like have the potential to be good or if this is just something they should totally blow up. I mean, they acquired Russell, but he didn't really get to play with Towns. And then there's the defensive question marks about having your best two players. Neither of them really add value defensively. So do you take into account like this draft pick if they get a top three pick? Can they take a guy who struggles defensively, like Obi Toppin, as somebody who pops in as like a fit because they could use a you know a power forward? But can, are they playable together? And so, who jumps out for the Timberwolves as somebody they should target? I mean, I'm probably just going for uh, for like defense on the wings, guys who can play off ball. Um, like I wouldn't consider Toppin. I think Okongwu, I would maybe consider, um, but like that means you're playing one of those two guys at the four for at least some layover, and I'm not particularly comfortable with that as much as I like Okongu's like, mobility. Um, I don't really want him chasing guys like Javis Bertans off screens. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I'd probably 
look at somebody you know, again, Vassell, I feel like his name is just being repeated over and over again, but he's another one of those guys who's just like a good fit. Um, but Vassell, Okoro, and I guess Denny, mm-hmm. um, maybe Maxi, uh, but no, the other guys would probably be a little bit higher on my board. Yeah, no, Okoro makes a lot of sense there. It's You could totally see him fitting in perfectly in terms of filling a need and actually being able to play quickly. Um, I'm going to reverse the conversation. I'm going to name a player and actually like, what's the best, what's the best situation for him? And I know you're very high on Killian Hayes as am I, what's the team that he should go to that's going to optimize him? Um, I mean, I guess I probably should have brought him up before, but I think the Hawks, I think the Hawks could do a good job with him. Um, I don't think the cats, cause they already have, 10 point guards in this game. <laughs> uh, they drafted in the last two years. But uh, yeah, I mean, the Hawks, I think the Knicks, obviously. Um, the Hornets, maybe the Hornets too. Um, Phoenix. Any team that can use someone who can play on and off ball. Washington's an interesting fit also because you could give him a couple years if John Wall is able to come back pretty healthy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he could play uh, Wall and. Uh, Killian Hayes together. You can play Beal and Hayes together while Beal gets more on-ball reps, reps that he's shown he can handle the last couple of years. Um, I think he's a pretty seamless fit. You just want to make sure that there are plenty of pick-and-rolls run, um, and you want to find out why there's that disconnect between the free-throw shooting and the catch-and-shoot numbers, which, again, I think they're going to normalize, but it's interesting. Yeah, as you mentioned, he's shot over 85% from the free-throw line, and back-to-back years and just always has really nice touch, you know, within 12, 15 feet. Um, but it's just that deep ball, and that's really a pretty big swing skill for him. Um, but, uh, yeah, the eye test um, is pretty uh, is pretty persuasive. I mean, he looks like he's going to be a, a, a good enough and adequate shooter, um, and that could really – if he can become an adequate shooter, I think then he's clearly top-five prospect in this draft. Uh, yeah, you mentioned Washington. Like, what are they going to do? I mean, are they going to go? There's obviously a lot of point guards who are going to be available to them. Um, we don't we don't know John Wall is going to be when he comes back, what his role is going to be. But if Washington has the opportunity to kind of get his long-term replacement, do you think they, they should do it? Or is this just total best player available again? And, you know, if it's a big, it's a big. If it's a wing, it's a wing. I, I feel like they're kind of in the position where they can do either. Um, like, I don't like so Rui. I think he's he's a four. I do not want to blame the three. Period. <laughs> um, so you really just have Beal and Rui locked in as like the two main guys off the top of my head. Um, so you can go to the Congo at the five. You can go to Hayes at the point guard. Um, you could go Coro, but I mean then you're also hoping that his shooting comes a little bit long. Vassell would fit there again. I'm like the broken record. Um, <laughs> but I think they have a whole bunch of options, which I think on the one hand is good. Um, because you can't really make a wrong pick in theory. Um, but on the other hand, like, it seems like they've kind of like put their half, they put like one foot into the rebuild and the other foot outside of the rebuild. So I think maybe they'll go for someone a little bit older. And I'm not really sure if that's going to be the best call. Um, Washington's in a tough spot. I mean, I, there, I think it, just projecting them for the future, it's like hard to see any clear path to, uh, to, being back to relevant, like by the, you know, Beal's timetable is so different than the rest of the team. And um, so, man, I've, I feel bad for Washington. I feel like it's going to be a long time before they, 
And there's no quick fix. There's just like nothing you can kind of do on paper that's going to fix them. Um, and no moves they can really make unless they trade Beal, which doesn't seem they want to do. And then you have to justify trading their best franchise player. Um, so they're in a tough spot. What about Chicago? Chicago, um, and I talked with Ricky O'Donnell a couple weeks ago about Chicago. I mean, they have all these pieces. Like in a vacuum, they have like a lot of assets. But then for whatever reason, when you put them together, it hasn't translated to success. You know, is there a player in this draft that maybe can kind of unlock the talent and have it you know, at least eventually translate to some wins? I have no idea. <laughs> Good luck to um, no, yeah. Kobe, um, whoever else he hires. Like, as I said, they have a lot of talent. Um, I think, I mean, I swear, it, this draft is, you know, again, whatever, broken record. Devin Vassell, Isaac Okora, I think those guys can fit there. Cause, Let's just get this out there since we keep running with Vassell. Vassell is pretty much the safest shooting and defense prop up his floor, and anything he adds from here is just a bonus. But every team could use a 3 and D wing, and uh, he is totally high, you know, high likelihood he's going to be a good defender and a good shooter. So that's why I keep bringing up Vassell for people who don't – because he's really not – you know, there's like a there's like a group of like top two tiers of twelve guys like Wiseman, Edwards, yeah. Top and Lamelo, Danny, Killian, I guess Halliburton, Okongu, Okoro, Cole, R.J. Hampton, maybe Tyrese Maxey. And rarely do you hear Vassell thrown into that mix. He's kind of like the next group, the safe play. However, like you said, or like we both said kind of earlier, safety should be valued a little bit more in this draft, and every team could use a player exactly like Vassell. So that's why. Spencer continues to use Vassell as, as an option for these top 10 teams. Yeah, um, but I feel like someone like him, uh, I think he's a good fit in Chicago because, you know, you're going to have Levine and Kobe White handling the ball a lot. Um, you know, him and Otto Porter, like, like they definitely overlap a little bit, but Porter also had the injury issues, and he's not, you know, I think late 20s, 28-ish. Um, so, you know, with Kobe being 19, and Larry being early 20s also, and Wendell obviously early 20s, you kind of want someone who can build with those guys. Um, assuming those guys are your core, um, you know, you could have someone who can play off ball, and I think either of those guys can do that, and I think the cool thing, especially with Coro, is um, I think he offers a little bit more pick-and-roll passing, although obviously with that, you're also getting a lot less shooting. Um, so, you know, you could run some him at the one, he played Kobe off ball a little bit more, Levine off ball a little bit more. Um, yeah, but I would probably look more towards the wings. Like I think there's zero chance they end up taking the big, just because it doesn't really make sense. Right. Um, and then there's Cleveland talking about you know their uh, Chicago stacked up front, and then Cleveland has got Garland and Sexton back to back years. And Sexton's pretty interesting. Like his his the narrative narrative on Sexton is kind of changing a little bit. Um, and, you know, he came out of high school as like the big time scorer, like AAU records. Um, and then he puts up a lot of points at Alabama, but you kind of question whether or not he could be a point guard. And then his rookie year in Cleveland, he's productive. But again, you question his decision making, playmaking. And then last year, he averages 20 a game pretty efficiently. Um, and then and then we kind of we're still kind of getting a, a feel for it. How good is Garland? Is Garland a quality starting NBA point guard? Is he a six man? Um, so the fact that we still don't know who Garland is, what he could be, and same thing with Sexton, kind of makes it tough for Cleveland when they're looking at a bunch of point guards who might be the best player available. So if the best player available to Cleveland is a point guard, do they do they take one? I think they do, but I think part of the reason why I think that um, is because I'm not 
that high on Colin Sexton. And I know after the year that he's had, it's probably not the wisest to say that, but I don't really think he's a starting point guard. Uh, still, like, if, he, if he's starting point guard, you really want, you know, a big wing initiator next to him. Um, I don't want him running an offense. So, you know, if you are tasking him with doing that, he's probably best coming off the bench. Uh, but, yeah, going back to the question, if the best player available is a point guard, I would take it. I think Cleveland just kind of needs talent, period. Um, I love Darius Garland. I'm still pretty high on him. Um, I mean, I'm still very high on him. Like, you know, he's just had his rookie year, and even playing a lot of off ball, he's, I thought he still showed some really good stuff. Um, but like, I think his shooting allows him to play off ball a little bit. Uh, so you can take a point guard. You could also just make him the one you can take away. You can take a big because you know Drummond after after he hops in, I don't really know they're going to want to pay him whatever he wants. Um, so they're another team with a whole bunch of options. Yeah, no, I'm, so they're projected to pick number two. And, you know, of course, every time I do a mock draft and, and I have Anthony Edwards go one, LaMelo is sitting there at number two. And I'm like, A, can I picture LaMelo ball in Cleveland? No, I, I just can't. I just can't picture him there. And I, knowing that he'd probably be unhappy, can I picture Cleveland taking him? I don't know. And then there's the question of, okay, they just took two point guards, so would they take another? Um, and so that's just a... Uh, I mean, that's got to be a question that they're debating. Colby Altman's debating right now is if Lamella Ball is on the board, do you take him? I mean, I think they have to just because they're still in stockpile. They're still trying to stockpile talent and assets. Um, and, you know, you, you sort them out later, worry about fit later. But, yeah, if it's up to me, I guess you take Lamella. I'm not super confident they do that, only because the, the opinions out there on Lamella are so all over the place. Like, I don't know what, exactly what Cleveland's thinking on him, but I know that there are teams who don't think – that he is the second best prospect in the draft. Um, what other teams are left? I mean, like the Phoenix Suns are an interesting team because they've gotten better. And uh, I think Rubio, I assume, you know, I don't watch a ton of Phoenix basketball, but I assume Ricky and Rubio had something to do with it. And Aiton, I think, got better defensively. Um, but I still think if. They it's, switched their schemes. They, they allowed them to play a lot more in space rather than having to, you know, have, uh, rather than having Aiton be the back of the defense, which I think is a lot smarter. Yeah, so no, that's props to uh, their, their coaching and adjusting. Um, but now this is, they still have another lottery pick. And, uh, you know, like, as we've been saying all along, there's so much parity that the number 10 guy on the board could easily be, is right next to the guy who's number three. Um, so there's going to be a, a player on the board for them who could be a cornerstone long-term. I, I, we keep talking about point guards, but Rubio is... His contract, I think he's got two years left on his deal. And some of these point guards are really young. So I think if a good point guard is on the board, they got to consider one, right? Or or are you still thinking, are you thinking more like, you know, Obi Toppin fits at the four and, and we mentioned, you know, Denny is a possible fit at three. Or do you think that if there's a point guard there that they should really think hard about one? Yeah, I wouldn't go with Toppin just because even with Aiden's defensive improvements, uh, those two guys together just doesn't really mesh well, right. I think. Um, especially, like, you know, Toppin doesn't really move that well laterally, so then you're going to be requiring the back end of the defense to really be on point and get to where they have to be to protect the rim. Um, but, um, I mean, I'd probably lean towards a point guard. Um, if you can actually trade up maybe and get one instead of just kind of, like, settling, I think that's an option. Um, someone like Maxi, who I don't consider a point guard, like, you know, that combo, I think he could potentially fit there if you want to put Devin on ball a little bit more, but like, they have so many wings. I don't really think it makes much sense kind of to add Denny. Um, 
Like, I think he fit there. You know, I think what we saw with Ubre this year, I think Denny can replace at least some of that. Um, how high? Are, how how much? What do you think the chances are that Denny can eventually play power forward? Oh, I think he'll be able to do it. Yeah, I think it, with him, it's just a matter of getting stronger. Because mm-hmm. um, you know, the, the physicality part of it, I think he has it. Um, like, he's not really going to back down. I mean, yes, he's still getting you know pulled over by guys who are fifty pounds heavier than him, but it's not like he's just. It's not like he's. I mean, you know, for example, I was just watching Marko Simonovic. Simonovic just gets posted up. He has no pushback whatsoever. Then he's going to push back. Um, so with me, it's just like, is he going to get stronger? I think he will. He's 19. He's very young, and you know he has the physical has the physical he has the physicality. Um, so I do think he'll be able to play the four. Um, just so many wins. Yeah. No. And then let's last team. Let's talk about. Um, and I'm sorry for Pistons fans, but the Detroit rebuild is just not very exciting. You know, there's just we don't know. I'm a big Blake Griffin fan, but of course, there's so much uncertainty regarding the rest of his career. And again, another guy who's just not on the same timeline as the rest of the team. And uh, Christian Wood was probably the best story in Detroit, and he's probably going to get a lot of interest in free agency. And Siku had a had a little brief burst of like, oh, could this kid be really good? And then he kind of hit the wall. And Luke Kennard, I guess we're excited about Luke Kennard, but you know, at the same time, this Detroit team is in total best player available mode. Um, the one concern I have, and, and I, I bring this up because I wrote this article the other day about the best and worst fits for LaMelo. And of course I said for LaMelo, he shouldn't want to go to Detroit because it's kind of going to be like the same situation he had in the NBL where he was on one of the weakest teams and he shot 37% because he kind of had to create so much of the team's offense. You know, what are your thoughts on like a, a point guard like LaMelo going to Detroit? I know he's going to love all the minutes and all the freedom, but is that going to be good or bad for his career? Um, yeah, I'm hedging my bets, but I'd probably say it's a little bit of both. Um, obviously the good is he'll be able to get, you know, thrown to the fire very, very quickly. Um, so, you know, he'll probably be the number one defensive attention guy, assuming Blake doesn't come back. Well, I mean, it's probably going to be Blake just because he's still Blake and, um, Kennard's probably still going to get some, but in terms of, you know, with all the handling responsibilities, I think he's probably still going to be the Lamelo is probably going to be the guy just giving most attention, um, so I think that's going to be good for him. But on the opposite side, you know, I think as you're saying before, you know, the shot selection, uh, same thing with Anthony Edwards, it's concerning. Um, maybe Detroit's not really the best place for him there, you know, because you know we're saying with the Warriors, you can play him off ball, he wouldn't be taking 15 shots a game. Whereas in Detroit, he'd probably be taking 15 shots a game. Um, so you'd have to rely on your coaches a lot to. You know, pull that back in and make sure he's not taking those step back. You know, three or twenty seconds left, eighteen seconds left, the mid-range jumpers, um, all that stuff. But I mean, Detroit just has to take best player. Like they have so many holes, I guess. Um, they just need talent. Um, yeah, yeah. They can. I mean, they could technically use an upgrade at every position when you're thinking long term. And that I wasn't picking on them. And and just the idea of just if you're a point guard. You kind of want to go to a place, especially if you're an 18, 19 year old point guard like most of these guys. You want to go to a place where you have talent around you, um, and uh, and that's, again, that's just from being maybe being in New York and watching them have Frank and Dennis and them struggle with their decision making and having to do things that they're really not capable of yet. And uh, so anyway, it's more about not Lamelo being there, being a good fit for them. It's just more point guards in general going to Detroit. But um, but yeah, they got to take 
the best player available, and uh, that should be the only uh, concern for them. Before we get into um, sleeper talk, uh, we have to give a shout out to Bet Online. With currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think there's nothing to bet on, but you would be wrong. Our exclusive partner, Bet Online, still has hundreds of events, games, and props to wager on. From their online casino to poker and blackjack, they're bringing Vegas to you. Missing the NFL? No problem. Bet Online has live daily Madden NFL 20 simulations you can bet on. You can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. All open 24 hours a day and all online. Use promo code BLUEWIRE to join today and receive your new welcome bonus. Bet Online, your online wagering solution. I've actually been playing some online poker and uh, it has not been going well for me. Um, I mean, I used to play a lot of poker in college, and and uh, I took a break <laughs> after college. But uh, you know, the the quarantine has brought me back. I, I really do miss playing poker. It's, um, but it's so different when it's online than in, in real life with people. It's like a totally different game. But um, it's anyway, it keeps you busy, and uh, um, there's some action action in poker where uh, there has not been much action on my couch in my living room for the past month and a half. Um, anyway, let's go to. Uh, Let's go to draft sleepers, like guys who we've been watching more of lately, maybe the guys that we didn't watch as much of during the regular season, but suddenly we have all this time on our hands. Um, Anybody stand out to you that uh, you think doesn't get enough attention that probably may not even go that high in the draft that you think is going to offer great value? Desmond Bain. (laughs) He's, uh, He's, like, always been the number one guy, or at least not always, but, you know, over the last few weeks, ever since I really did my deep, deep dive on him, it's... I think he's just got a high floor. Um, he's got the defense. He's got the shooting. Uh, he shot like 40%, something like that, from an insane amount from NBA 3. Um, I think his ability to handle, just kind of play make off the pick and roll, I think that's good. Um, but he's a two-way player. I think he's just kind of someone you can slot in and just know what you're getting. And as you are saying before, you know, knowing your commodity, knowing what's going to be coming in, he's, he's probably really big in this draft. And, I, I, he's just an easy plug-and-play guy who I think is going to be able to make a pretty immediate impact on both ends, and you can't really say that for many people. Yeah, I mean, he's pretty much good at everything offensively, and, and or at least the the, the main the main you know uh, ball handling, shooting, passing, like the main skills, and uh, the fact that he shot over forty percent from downtown in three consecutive years, freshman year thirty-eight. It's crazy that he didn't get as much attention playing in the Big Twelve. Like he should be more nationally recognized. And then this year, averaging nearly four assists per game, uh, you know, put him on the ball, put him off the ball. Like you said, plug and play. He's certainly on my list uh, of, uh, of sleeper guys. And, you know, being a senior doesn't help his draft stock, but I'm certainly curious to see where he winds up. Um, what about let's uh, another guy who's like, he's not a sleeper. I don't even know. I wouldn't use the word sleeper, but Devon Dotson from Kansas is somebody who, you know, when you watch during the year, of course, you know I don't. I try not to watch a million games of Kansas because there's always on TV and they're they're so accessible. Um, and so maybe I kind of missed missed him or, or wasn't seeing it or, or or just didn't watch enough because I'm trying to concentrate on teams that are tougher to see. But Dotson, the more I watch, the more I'm like, is he like hiding in plain sight? Like, is he does he have more potential than we're kind of leading on? I have a thing for just kind of Kansas point guards going back to like. Uh, Sharon Collins and those guys, and like I love Mario Chalmers too. Um, you know, I kind of grouped Dotson in with 
the Trey and you know Cassius Winston, kind of those guys that you, you know what you're getting. Um, like I don't know, just with Dawson, I feel like it just comes down to strictly his jump shot uh, because he's a great finisher, um, good defender, he competes. The jump shot, and I feel like you know that ability to pull up and play off the ball is probably huge. And replacement value, I guess, for backup point guards in the draft like this probably isn't that high, or, uh, low. Um, like you know, you can find them. Um, like I think he's gonna be a good backup point guard, and I think that's good. I just think you can also say that for a few other guys. Right. So, the, so you mentioned you already quickly mentioned a couple guys. One of the questions I had written in front of me is there's this one group of four guys, right? It's Trey Jones, it's Dotson, it's Grant Riller, and, and Cassius Winston. And they're kind of all in that like 20 to 35 range. And they kind of all have that backup point guard label. Who do you think of those of those four has the chance to exceed that backup projection? Uh, I think maybe Grant because of the scoring yeah, like I think that's really just what sets him apart. Like he's not, you know, the passer that I guess really any of the other three are. Um, but the scoring ability and like that quick, quick first step, like that's he's an easy guy to play off ball when you have someone who's initiating from the wing. Um, but aside from him, like I think Trey actually would probably be probably be my number two, um, just because I kind of figured that. If you fuse his freshman year with his sophomore year and you have more of like not as off ball as he was last year, not as on ball as he was this year, but you still have that same shooting progression. Um, and if you have the defense from last year, that's a very valuable player. Mm-hmm. Um, like not a high end starter, but that's that's like an impact starter who, you know, he'll just kind of like come in and do his thing. Um, I mean, I like that. Yeah, no, I mean, I feel safer about Trey. I, I feel the sneakier upside with Riller for the main reason you said, uh, his scoring ability. Um, and, and so I'm, man, I, I've gone back and forth in my head about where to slot Riller. Is he a sleeper? Is he somebody you just, you know, I'd rather have him in the second round. Um, kind of stuck on him. And then here's another guy who I've seen, we've seen him play a million times and I kind of, sometimes I just make, you make up your decision earlier than you should. And then you kind of go back to it and say, was I overthinking Marcus Howard? Um, and somebody brought him up. To, I was on another podcast, and somebody brought up Marcus Howard and asking me, like, why isn't Marcus Howard getting more draft love? And I quickly just answered the obvious. He's not big enough. He's not long enough. He's not athletic enough. He doesn't really have point guard instincts. And then I started watching more Marquette games. I'm like, holy shit, this guy can score like crazy and, and has plenty of moves to separate and plenty of shot-making ability. And no, he doesn't have to be a starting point guard in the NBA or, um, or even a six-man, but... Have you ever thought about Marcus Howard and, and is he somebody who can be a steal in the second round? Or are you more of a guy who says, nah, I'd rather him, you know, take him undrafted and join Summer League? Uh, I mean, if you can get him undrafted, I'd obviously rather do that because why waste a pick on somebody <laughs> and get undrafted? Um, but, yeah, I mean, the scoring ability, the shooting ability, like, he's fast off the ball too. And, like, the movement shooting that he provides is awesome. Um I'm perfectly fine taking him the second round. Like that second round through undrafted, I guess there's just like a massive group of players who, you know, maybe they fall a little bit, maybe they rise a little bit, but there's like a giant cluster. Um, I think he's, he's part of it. Um, you know, I 
actually take him over someone like Miles Powell, who I think maybe some would probably have similar. They'd say they're similar in some ways, just because Howard's got a much better shot. Um, although they now have uh, Miles Powell is obviously a little bit bigger. Um, but yeah, like I'm perfectly fine taking him. Um, but if you can get him as an undrafted free agent, then you know, more power to you. Just do that. Right. Um, I'm going to bring up a guy who I know that you're high on, and I I may be even higher. Um, Tyler Bay from Colorado, who, uh, yeah, I mean, I just like, I, I, I was, I saw it as a friend, I saw it last year, and then I still had questions about, you know, is he, and I, don't, I think the word tweener is kind of like extinct in today's NBA, but that was the question. Like, is he big enough to play inside? Does he have the skill level to play around the perimeter? And this year, I'm like, I don't, that, that, I've, I've ignored that question. I think he's just, uh, just so versatile defensively and it has more offensive upside than he was able to show the Colorado. If like there was an NBA scout who came to me and said, give me one guy, you know, who I should really look into as a sleeper. Tyler Bay would be my guy. So what, give me your thoughts on, on Bay. Yeah, I a hundred percent agree. Um, you know, the weird thing with him is that to me, it's really just the shooting. Um, like he did not shoot many jumpers at all. I think he took like one, three a game maybe like a few mid-range jump shots, and that was kind of it. But the threes that he was taking and, like, threes that the coach trusted him to take, some of them were off movement. And you really don't see guys who are shooting off movement who can't shoot stationary catch-and-shoot jumpers. So I think the three-pointer is there. I think it was just more of him uh, being told to play in the interior more because he's much more effective there. But, you know, tweener, whatever you want to call you know, the three-four-four-three. That's what he is, and that's not a bad thing when you consider that's where all the you know the big scorers are, mm-hmm. like the Lucas, the Tatum, Giannis. Although he's you know three, four, five, one, two, whatever he is. I mean, he's not two, um, but like he'll be able to defend a whole bunch of positions, and even playing up. Like I don't think you can play him as a five, but when he was playing some of the five this year at Colorado, he kind of held his own. Not because he was that strong, which I think he can get stronger, but because he's kind of like sneaky down there. Um, he has like a really nice kind of like swim move steal, um, just kind of like taking the post up player by surprise, getting in front of the ball. And I think that's probably going to take some guys by surprise. Um, but like the defense, he's smart. The offense, he's a good finisher. Um, I think the shooting is definitely there. You know, obviously he's not going to have like 25, 30 usage or whatever, but as a role piece, sure. Like I'm hundred percent in on it. Yeah. Um, so, uh, we're both in on Bay. Um, settle this debate for me. And these are two guys who kind of came to life in the draft conversation um, a little bit later in the season. Um, Malachi Flynn and Tyrell Terry. I kind of put them in a the similar tier. They're kind of similar guards with, with similar limitations. Um, assess them. Assess them. Uh, yeah, like, like who, like, like, where do you see? Because, like, Tyrell Terry, like, you hear, I mean, he kind of has like sneaky upside, and then there are some who are like, you know, should he stay in the draft? Should he not stay in the draft? Well, I mean, I think he should probably stay in the draft because he, um, and, and then Flynn, the same thing. Like Flynn, you know, obviously he, does, he doesn't have the athleticism. He's one of the older players, but uh, another guy who just really compensates with so much skill and savvy and IQ and toughness. Um, uh, obviously much older than, than Terry, but like, you know, how did they stack up in this draft is really what I'm trying to ask. Um, I mean, I think I'm probably a little bit more, 
little bit more comfortable with uh, Malachi Flynn than I am with Tyrell Terry, just because of the size difference. Like Flynn's not, you know, some big muscle-bound guy by himself, but Terry is. Um, Terry's tiny, and like very tiny. So yeah, like one sixty. Find a way to compensate for that. Yeah, one sixty tiny. Yeah, um, and you know he's maybe six two, maybe six one. So like someone like him, like obviously you're gonna want him to kind of bulk up. Um, but you also don't really want him to be able to lose that movement shooting. And I like, not like full movement shoot, but like he moves around the ball well. He's not super, super fast. He's not Marcus Howard, but he moves. Um, I just like Flynn. I think Flynn probably is going to be a little bit better of a defender. I think he's a smart defender. Um, I think he's got, I think he's a good scorer as well. Uh, just Terry's size, like it's Trey Young's size without the Trey Young, you know, full skill. Mm -hmm. And, backup point guard maybe he can kind of settle in like a yogi Ferrell type role but i think yogi was a lot stronger than he was at the same stage mm -hmm. um so yeah i have malachi just a bit about yeah no that's a good comparison with yogi yeah those are two guys who i kind of go back and forth with and you slot them in the late lottery um terry's like highlights are a little bit more exciting in the fact that he's younger but flynn you just you trust him i mean i trust him with the ball i, I think he's going to be a, um, a high defensive iq guy um, and then what about Emmanuel Quickly? Quickly is, I never even once thought about him as an NBA prospect through like a year and a half at Kentucky. Um, and, and then, of course, you start looking at the numbers and you're looking at the SEC Player of the Year and uh, he declares for the draft and teams fall in love with, with shooters. Do you see anything with Quickly? I mean, maybe back up point guard. Like, I'd have him below Trey, um, Riller, um you know, Dotson, Cassius, like all those guys. Um, he's like a firm second-round pick to me. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. I mean, yeah. Who's his agent? did he sign with, like, Rich Paul? I don't remember. I don't remember who he signed with. Yeah, I mean, I think it was one of the big agents. Um, so maybe he ends up going a little bit higher. And then, of course, the whole Kentucky, you know, boxing players in type thing. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not that high on quickly. Like, maybe he'll be a backup, I guess, just kind of like floor spacer. Um, that's kind of what yeah, I said it last week. Like, I wouldn't be shocked if there's like one out of thirty teams that that really likes him and, and just thinks of him as like a Landry Shamit type guy and takes him in the twenties. But if somebody asked me the other day, you know, where's how high do you have quickly going? And I said, I think if he's lucky, he goes in the forty-five to sixty range. Um, anybody else that stands out that we haven't talked about that you want to give some love to? Um, yeah. So Xavier Tillman. Mm -hmm. I. Like everything about his game, I love. Uh, he reminds me a lot of Kylo Quinn. Um, Great comparison. Yeah, like Kylo Quinn was one of my favorite players. Just that toughness, the passing, um, the smarts, like that's what Xavier Tillman is. And it's cool because I think he shot like outside of dunks, he was still finishing like 63% of his shots in the paint despite not being, you know, 6'10 with a 7'4 wingspan. I think he's like 7'2 wingspan or something. That, which is still great, but he doesn't jump very high. Like his touch in the paint, either hand is awesome. And then the short roll passing, that's just like that's it's mesmerizing. Like I love it. I think I think he's just gonna be another one of those guys similar to Dame. You could just plug in, in the rotation and not have to worry about him. He'll be there for the next, you know, eight to ten years, whatever, however long you want him. Um, and he'll make your team better. Yeah, no, 
I'm, he's he's a total pro, and he may never start an NBA game, but he's going to last ten years in this league. There's a there's a funny stat I just saw the other day. Like he's one of three NCAA, NCAA players ever to average ten boards, uh, three assists, and two blocks, and the other two were Tim Duncan and Bo Atlaw. And I've, of course, he falls more in the Bo Atlaw scale, but you could just totally see like just like a Kylo Quinn exactly. Um, what you said. Uh, before we wrap up, any anybody else before uh, before we call it a day? Yeah, two quick guys. Um, both of them from overseas. Uh, first one, Carlos Ellison. Mm-hmm. Um, he's probably going to go sometime in the second round if he stays. I think he entered. Um, but he's another one of those guys who's up there with Lamelo in terms of passing ability. I think the shooting's better than the numbers indicate. Um, and then uh, Alexei Posey. Pokusevsky. Poku. Um, oh, yeah, Pokuman. That's what I'm trying to <laughs> call him. Nobody's called him. <laughs> That's nice. I haven't heard that before. Yeah. Um, he's someone who I think, like, just the pure skill level is awesome. Someone his size to be able to shoot off movement, um, albeit not at a high level yet, but the fluidity, like, you know, he's 6'11, he moves like he's 6'6, 6'7. Um, he's a good passer. He's long. Uh, on the flip side, he's also very, very thin. Uh, but on the flip side to that, his calves are kind of thick, so there's you know some strength base there, and maybe he can get a little bit bigger. But like the overall skill package that he has is, is awesome. Yeah, he, it's it's a, it's too bad for him that workouts are probably going to get canceled because he was one of those guys who was probably generate a crowd and turn a lot of heads and and kind of strengthen his reputation during workouts. But uh, yeah, I mean he's yeah he's a really unique. Unique player when you watch his tape. Hard to find tape from him from this year. Um, and, yeah, I know. I mean, uh, I've done a lot of scouring and tough to find tape. I've had to rewatch those Phoebe games and the brief EuroLeague moments that he's had. But um, anyway, Spencer, this was great. A lot of knowledge, a lot of prospects. We covered a lot of teams and fits, um, and that's why I brought you back. So um, anything you want to plug, anything you want to mention before uh, we call it a day? Uh, no, I mean, I have my scouting reports up in the Stepien. Um, I just put one out on Marco Simonovic, who's incredibly frustrating to watch because of the high highs and the incredibly low lows. <laughs> um, but I put that out, uh, I think I have another one coming out next week. Uh, but until then, I'm on Twitter at SK Perlman, and I started putting out, like, four videos. So, I guess check those out. <laughs> yep, great, great follow on Twitter for, uh, anybody interested in, in NBA draft. So, uh, uh, Spencer Perlman from the Stepien. Thanks a lot, Spencer. Um, I appreciate the time. I'm sure uh, we'll do this again sometime soon, all right? Take care.